This is On the Block with Stricken Bach. Nebraska Basketball Hall of Famer and nine-year NBA vet, Eric Strickland. Strickland for three! And you're going to go out of here as the Big 8 tournament champion. 93-7 the ticket veteran and lover of bread, Jake Bockelman. What? I like bread. Coming at you live from the Koppel Chevrolet GMC Studios in the heart of Lincoln, America. On air and online at theticketfm.com. Sponsored by the Mercado by Certified Piedmontese. This is On the Block with Stricken Bob. Hold up. Welcome back. Welcome back on the block. I'm E. Strick. That is my partner, Jake Bakovin. You are on the block with Stricken Bach here on 93.7 The Ticket, The Ticket FM. Thank you for joining us tonight. It has been a tough discussion, some heartfelt discussions. I know some of us have been feeling some kind of way with regard to Nebraska basketball and also had to endure a rough season of football as well. But we're hearing your voices on uh, the Sauter Heyman text line at 402-464-5685. We also take some calls. We want to hear from you on the Honda Lincoln hotline as well at the same number at 402-464-5685. We definitely want to hear from you. So, Bach, we've been, you know, hey, Bach, also, I like bread, too. Oh, yeah. Who doesn't I, like I, bread? Know, I, I like bread. <laughs> uh, it, it sticks to me a little bit more than it used to, so I have to be careful oh, yeah. about how much Those I carbs. do it now, but <laughs> I do like bread. Um, so, Bach, yeah, man, in the last segments, you definitely, you asked me some questions with regards to what what my feelings are and what my thoughts are about Nebraska ball. I really want to test your thoughts and, and, and break it down. What do you see? What do you think is some things that need to be done with regards to Hoiberg? You know, we definitely heard from Sip. Sip broke it down and gave his little insight as to what he thinks. Well, what is your thoughts with regards to the program, its direction? Um, what would you like to see different and where would you like it to go from here? Well, it's just fascinating that it's uh, it's arrived at this point, obviously, and, you know, this quickly under Hoiberg, you didn't think that there was any case for that to happen. And, and it's it's just kind of sad because, you know, you think about maybe, OK, well, let's wipe the transitional year out. You know, you, that, that shouldn't count because, you know, he didn't have, you know, a roster. He wasn't inheriting a very good roster or whatever, like like Sipple was saying, um, maybe he could have kept some of those guys on. Um but regardless of what you do, there's no way to, to, to make this look any prettier. I mean, it's really rough three years in, just not getting over the hump, getting those wins. And, you know, you kind of wonder what the goal is, <laughs> right? Um, because at the beginning of the season, I think that, that it was at least some postseason play. And, and in year three, it should be postseason play for, a, uh, a you know, a name like Fred Hoiberg that you bring into this uh, Nebraska basketball program. And it's just so far away from that. Um that I, I, I mean, I, I kind of echo the sentiments that, that Steve Simple said, and I think it's it's probably true, is that if the buyout were significantly less, um, real significantly less, then you might be having a, a different conversation. Um, if you are if you are stuck with Hoiberg, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world because I, it's, it's just kind of the similar thing with Frost. You need to put a fresh new coat of paint on it, right? Um, you need to do something to make it uh, more exciting and and sell you know the season ticket holders and the Nebraska basketball fans going into next year. But with Frost and Hoiberg, they were such home run hires and they haven't worked out and I understand that but there is this idea that maybe if you if you are Nebraska and you're kind of batting out of your league and hitting those home runs right 
that maybe it's worth that little bit of extra patience. And in terms of, uh, you know, coaching tenures, that means maybe that one extra year that you normally wouldn't give to um, just any guy that you hired. But because these guys uh, have such, had such a big name on the open market coming into Nebraska, that maybe it's worth that extra year. So I think that it, it will be um, something that, that's, that you can kind of live with if you're a Nebraska basketball fan. Um, if they do have to bring Hoiberg back, which, uh, you know, all indications would point that that would probably be the case because of the buyout. Um, but it is just sad that it is, is, it is at that point to where if, if money weren't a problem, um, then you would make different decisions. And, you know, that's sad in any part of life, but certainly for your Nebraska basketball program, they still have guys coming in. I just start to worry um, about, you know, kind of the toxicity that, that that's around the program without getting the wins, obviously. People are getting frustrated. Um, and in, in Pinnacle Bank Arena is a place where people will fill up and, and want to want to go to, you know, support their team as long as there's hustle, as long as there's energy, as long as there's effort. Um, and I just, I start to worry about, you know, the one thing that he does have is that recruiting class coming in next year or, or maybe being able to retain Bryce McGowan's or some of these guys to come back. And then maybe you could really sell this thing moving forward. Um, but I just start to worry about um, maybe the, even, you know, the culture, all that stuff, the, the you know, within the locker room, all that stuff um, that just has to be taking a toll at this point when you can't get over the can't get over the edge. So I'm wondering if Ramel Lloyd uh, still is going to be as interested in, in staying committed to Nebraska uh, when he's got all these other offers or, you know, Blaze Key to kind of the same thing is maybe that when they committed, there was more of a belief that this was heading in the right direction than where they are now. Uh, and, and, and hopefully that's not the case. Hopefully you can continue to have that great recruiting class. Indiana football was able to do that this past year. Um, they had an awful, you know, they, they did not follow up their great year with a good year. They had an awful year. They still finished top 25 in recruiting. So hopefully that can happen for Nebraska basketball. And that would be at least, uh, you know, a, a small piece to, to make me believe it's heading in the right direction. Cause what you're sold in that recruiting class is a true point guard in a, in a, in a true big. And that's what you, that's what Nebraska severely needs right now. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the, really the only way that you can sell it. You have to sell it in order for this to change. We need you. You know, we, we, we are just trying to buy time to, to get you. You're, you're a piece, you're a focal piece into getting this thing turned around, changed around. That, that's really the, the, the sale that you, you have to bring to that, that table in order to keep those guys. Because when I look at it, Bach, and this is a question for you, um, I look at it from a standpoint of where do you, who, who out there? who if not him at this at this point if you're going to give up 18 million even as sips at 15 or 10 million yeah. if you're going to give that up who out there who do you who who can you go and get and that's that's another thing you have to really consider right um you've got players um if if the players it's not a lack of talent in the, on in that room. I'm I'm not. That's not what I'm seeing because you can see it's evident that they can play with 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 how they've competed at different times. There's some form of disconnect, and if it's if it's not in the room, it's got to be somewhere else. And so, who can you you bring to help change that dynamic? You have to figure out something in that manner because. Um, I like the aspect of what Sip said with with the with with uh, looking at it from the way that there were you have to be able to sell something to Trev Albers 
as to there's going to be a different look as to how we move forward and where that is. I don't know. Um, uh, but there has to be something that's done. So thinking about that, who, if there is someone out there that you can bring to this program, if you're going to give up that kind of money. Yeah. I mean, it would be difficult. People are kind of throwing out Mark yeah. Turgeon who's had, you know, has connections to Nebraska was uh, let go or, or left Maryland as, as that situation was getting ugly. Certainly, um, you know, that would be kind of at the top of the list. Um, you would think of attainability for Nebraska um, potentially, but you know, it, it's just difficult because do you take another big swing? Do you, you know, you're already in the in, in the financial dumps there. Do you take another big swing uh, and, and put your best foot forward? Or, you know, would would it even be worth it to, to, to give some up-and-comer an opportunity and not really put too much money in the program but at the same time? You know, is that better or worse than hanging on to the hopes that Hoiberg would be there? Some people would say better. Some people, hey, at least there's new hope. There's, you know, you, you still, if you're not, you know, giving up that much more money for it, um, then there's some opportunity there. Uh, if I'm if it's, if it's not the head coach, right, then you kind of look for an assistant coach that has recruiting ties to bring in somebody um, that uh, that maybe could could come in and give you that effort uh, or you know you know like we said maybe you already you know to retain the pieces that you have in that recruiting class or um, to bring different ones in that would that would kind of provide that because you kind of think of maybe maybe instead of looking for uh, the most talented players out there um, you've got you got a lot of those guys maybe look for Guy that shows up, like, and, and again, I'm a Celtics fan, but so the name that comes to mind is is Marcus Smart. Go look for somebody that looks like he plays like Marcus Smart does day in and day mm-hmm. out. I mean, just makes all the little plays, doesn't show up in the, you know, he's not going to lead your team in scoring very often, but you've got a guy, kind of a glue piece. Because I think that that's ultimately a part of what they're missing is is that because that guy rubs off on the other players in the locker room and and you can see it and then your coach can kind of point to things that he does and what kind of difference that makes. I I, I feel like I feel like maybe <clears throat> Trey could have been that guy. Uh, I don't know if he just didn't have an, you know enough time. Um, obviously, we're all kind of waiting for him to return from his injury um, and and kind of you know you kind of hope that he would been been that guy because he he does he gives that kind of effort he's your best defender all that stuff um he's not often going to lead you in, in scoring and all that stuff so it's just it's it's not an easy answer you know it's the same thing with with Fred Fred doesn't have the answers I don't necessarily have the answers either but when when you start to think about if they did move on I I wonder like I asked the kind of asked the same thing to sip and I don't think it would you know to somebody that's up and coming that this would be a great opportunity you talk about playing in the Big Ten and all that stuff but to get somebody at the level that you that Fred Hoiberg was at coming in I think that him failing uh, miserably here at Nebraska might not you know might kind of leave a stinker on the program that you know that's a program that hasn't won in you know since the 90s outside of one year under Tim Miles and even Fred's can't can't win there and and it's not you know it is a great opportunity to coach in the Big 10 but it's kind of interesting because you know the Big 10's a bear and if, are you going to take the program I mean it's difficult to crawl out of the bottom of the Big 10 we've seen that for many programs um you know, and in Nebraska being the prime example of that, I just I feel like if if, if Hoiberg fails uh, miserably at Nebraska, I think that that's I, I don't know if that reflects, you know, obviously Hoiberg will drop considerably his is kind of standing in basketball overall. But I know he'll get another big basketball job and somebody will be excited to have him. You know, he, he still has that name. Um, he might be able to kind of shrug the, the Nebraska failure off more than Nebraska can in the next hiring cycle. That's a good point. I mean, <laughs> 
that is something to consider. That is something to think about. And as we're talking about coaches, um, the regular season of the NFL is now behind us. Uh, there were nine and now there are two. And so we have uh, a, a few coaching op- openings. There's been one that just recently has been announced. Uh, there's been a lot of talk in the NFL sec- uh, circles with regards to um, coaching issues, especially for African-Americans. And the Houston Texans look as if they've landed one. So at this point, what is your thoughts about what's next on the radar? Because the Vikings still have an opening and the New Orleans Saints still have an opening opening and lovey smith just landed the houston texans job yeah that's a, that, i mean and that's a shocker to me i know lovey was their defensive coordinator maybe that was the better side of the ball or whatever but i thought that that maybe he had moved on obviously he had his own failures at illinois um and in return to the, the nfl and again um i just i don't know if, if you make that move if you fire coley after one year to make an internal hire is very strange to me on behalf of the Texans um, because, like you know, maybe and, and maybe it's just the fact that they thought there was a better head coach in the room. Maybe that's ultimately uh, what they came down to. Um, but I, it, to me, that, that usually when when if, if something fails that poorly um, that you're willing to give it up after just one year, you would think that they would want to wipe clean the whole experiment right um but they didn't and so lovey's gets another opportunity it's kind of a surprise um the dolphins uh you know made their hire as well with mike mcdaniels the um the the uh, offensive coordinator over there for the bucks he's been with kyle shanahan or not excuse me not the bucks the 49ers um he's been with kyle shanahan for a long time so that's also an interesting hire kind of the goes along with the young offensive whiz uh he's 38 years old um so that that'll be fun um i still i i i still am interested to see if, if byron left which gets an opportunity, uh, Eric Bieniemy. I mean, those are common names that we bring up seemingly every year now um, that are that have been getting interviews. I was really excited because I saw one of my favorite players growing up, Heinz Ward, even got an interview, I believe, in... Uh Ah, uh, now I would just be guessing if I announced, but one of the openings in the NFL, not one of the current ones, but one of the ones that just got uh, got through hiring their coach. Um, it's just fascinating. I just don't, I, you know, ultimately, I, and, and I'm a big Lovey Smith fan, and, and DP's a friend of him, and you know, well, I'll, I'll always cheer Lovey Smith on. I just don't. I, I just thought that 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 maybe that time had passed in his career where he's going to be a head coach. And then, you know, and here's the crazy thing about it, right? I mean, you have to really kind of look at it and say, hmm, does this have anything to do with the Brian Flores situation? I think he dropped the ball in himself with what he, you know, happened to do. He had, you know, Josh McCown had a couple of interviews down there in Texas. And then obviously it, it does. It's it's kind of one of those hmm moments because of an internal look. And, and it wasn't as if the Texans defense was on fire. It wasn't like they were you know, top of the line, they finished 31, uh, 31st and in, in allowed uh, yards allowed in 2021. So they, um, you know, weren't the, 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 it wasn't as if it was a prestigious type of uh, a year for them. Yeah. So, uh, you know, they were considering a Brian Flores and I think, you know, it possibly he dropped the ball because I, I think there were a couple teams out there that would really have considered him but he kind of stabbed himself in, in the foot with that one. And so now they've got a couple of uh, looks still out there. I'm still kind of perplexed a little bit with regards to Brian, um, uh, Eric Bieniemy. I, 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 you know, I don't know what that is. I mean, um, I think he seems to have the ear and the eye of, of, of the players. They seem to really enjoy playing with him and for him. 
And uh, so I, I would have thought that to be the case. And definitely an offensive mind of, of Byron Leftwich is still out there um, to consider as, as well. I don't know. I, I mean, shoot, um, uh, the, the, the young aspect of him, I don't think should matter with Tomlin, how he came in and made it happen. Um, I think that he has a, a good hand on what he's trying to do and, and what he wants to accomplish with a team potentially, but there's, you know, there's still two openings out there and I guess we'll just have to wait and see how that's going to, uh, you know, kind of play out. Yeah, and with a lot of these guys too, it's kind of hard. I I, I like you know it, it's it's kind of with with both these hirings kind of just kind of the opposite end of the spectrum, right? For so long there's been this um, just kind of repeated cycle of taking coaches that didn't quite work here, but it's the same guys getting the same opportunities. Mm-hmm. And now you know lately there's this huge wave of young offensive minds, and Mike McDaniel certainly fits in there. Um, it, it's 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 the extreme of that, right? <laughs> I mean because you know especially Lovey, it just again it just seemed like that time. Had had probably passed in his career um, where he could be, you know, the, the, the coach there. But I mean, to, to be fair, yes, he failed at, at, at Illinois, um, but that's college football. You know, that's a, it's still the same sport, but it's a different attack, right? I mean, it, it's pretty difficult to get, like we were saying with the Nebraska basketball job, uh, a team out of the dormant of the Big Ten in football as well. And, you know, he wasn't able to, to quite get it done there. Um, the perplexing part, like you said to me more than anything, is that that Houston Texans defense wasn't really special. Um, you know, you could understand that if it, it was just the offense that was really holding them back and the defense was, was really, you know, putting on in, in, in a great effort and it looked like, okay, that's that's what you want to keep involved there. Um, so, you know, it's kind of fascinating uh, in that regard. For Mike McDaniel, too, it's kind of interesting. Uh, I've, I've heard that they might uh, want to keep that defensive staff around, too, there uh, in Miami. So we'll kind of see if, if you know, part of the idea was just, you know, keeping together somewhat what they had, which was, um, you know, the, uh, okay. You know, they, they started to win. They went, ended up nine and eight. They won all those games at the end of the year. Um, so they, they seemed to have something together, which made the Brian Flores firing um, surprising. Um, but now to go in the other direction with a o- young offensive guy, very interesting. Cause, and then there's also two ways to look at that, right? I mean, obviously, um, you know, his head coach out there is one of the brighter minds in offensive football the last few years. Um, but it's not like, San Francisco's offense really lit it up, um, but at the same time, they were able to get to uh, within a game of the Super Bowl with Garoppolo there. So that's quite an accomplishment as well. So uh, b- both, again, very vit- interesting hires, kind of at the opposite end of the spectrum, uh, and we wonder what you know what the the remaining openings leave out there. And, and, and these days, it just seems like how how long do these coaches get in the NFL anymore? It, it, too, you know, some some of them are getting one year, um, two to three years is 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 pretty much standard. If you if you don't get it, yeah. you know, in the playoffs, get the win. Yeah, yeah, that is the thing about it, and <clears throat> that's another thing with regards to uh, college football. If if you can just make the adjustment, make the change, you you can set yourself. It seems like longevity is more uh, is more capable in the coll- collegiate game than it is in the. And they want you now. Oh, like, yeah. You got to get it done. You got to make some change, different, or something happen in a short span of life. I mean, I think that's the way it is in, in, in all professional sports. Yeah. I mean, because it's about that bottom line, that bottom dollar. I mean, I think that's a por- portion of it also in the collegiate game, but I think there's a little bit more patience that most you know organizations will have at the collegiate level. I mean, that's why you see Pat Fitzgerald that has such a, he's a great coach now. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not nullifying that and that, but there's sometimes there, you can go to a certain place and, be 
solid and you can maintain a, a, a strong tenure there. I mean, you, you've got all of the, the educational components that are to deal with it. And so there's some understanding there with regards to not necessarily having to beat. Uh, it's a little different than being at Michigan than it is at being at Northwestern. You don't, you yeah. don't have to, <laughs> you don't have to beat <laughs> Ohio state every year, you know, in order to make, have some success and stuff like that. So, um, you know, so when we're going to take a break, when we come back off of break, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Pro Bowl. I mean, I, it looked like it was an empty stadium dang near for a Pro Bowl, but it was also a place in where things went down, not on the block, but in Vegas on Las <laughs> Vegas Boulevard, potentially. And we'll talk a little bit about rule changes and some things that they may want to do different. How can they bring some fire back to the Pro Bowl? And if that's even necessary, do they need to cancel it all together? Call us on the Sarah Hammond Tech Line. I mean, call us on the Honda Lincoln hotline. We want to talk about it. We want to know what you think about it as well. 402-464-5685. When we come back, we'll talk about the Pro Bowl and some of the changes that have been made. Also, have a call. I'm ahead of my time, sometimes years out. So the powers that be won't let me get my ideas out. And that make me want to get my advance out and move to Oklahoma and just live in my aunt's house. Yeah, I romance the